If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about military and their taxes. And it is a really large subject because there are so many things we can talk about as far as that's concerned. So I have a plethora of guests to help me. Starting off with Derek Nelson. He is a tax examiner manager and Steve Carlo, an outreach training coordinator. Both of them are with Utah State Tax Commission. And then we've got Brandon Olson and Patrick Munson. They are both partners and CPAs at Adams and Peterson CPAs. And, of course, we've got Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. And UACPA also sponsors Money Making Sense. So we're always glad when she gets to come along. So welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having Thanks, us. Heather. I think I'm going to start with Susan. What do W-2s look like from a military person? I mean, I'm sure you've got military personnel come to you and say, hey, help me with my taxes. Do their W-2s look any different from the rest of us? The W-2 form is the same. I mean, everybody's W-2 form has the same boxes, the same information. The thing that we see different with the military W-2, especially if they're doing submissions or they're being deployed, is sometimes their gross pay is allocated between combat pay and regular pay. And that's where the challenges start coming in. If you're kind of doing it on your own and you say, well, geez, I have combat pay of $30,000 and my regular pay is $20,000. What do I do with this? That's where things start to get confusing. And one of the reasons that we kind of bring this up is I know that we're here in Utah and we know that at Hill Air Force Base, it's in Clearfield, Utah, Weber County has had a couple deployments this year. And we know that there are some little tricks to this. And so it's one of the reasons that um, we've asked Brandon and Patrick to participate in this with us. Yeah, Susan, maybe I'll add to that. The good news is, is that uh, much of the reporting with regards to whether or not somebody is deployed and serving in a combat zone, which would allow their uh, military pay to be excluded from taxable income is going to be handled by uh, those handling their payroll. So the Department of Defense and such uh, is really good about handling those things and making sure that the income is excluded and not included in the W-2 forms that would get issued. So it takes a little bit of pressure off of the military personnel to have to try to navigate that. But if they're trying to plan, they're trying to understand what they might be up against and what their taxes might look like, being informed and aware of when they do and uh, and when they don't qualify for that exclusion is important. And so the, the key term really is if you are actively uh, deployed in a combat zone, which is designated by the Department of Defense, your income from military pay during that month, as well as pay that falls in that same month that might be other benefits that might come is excluded from income and the W-2 would be reduced by that. Now, the only caveat that I'd mentioned there too is that there's also other tax withholdings that happen when we get paid as an employee. And in this case, of course, an employee of the U.S. government is that our, our wages are still subject to Social Security and Medicare taxes. So although that income would be excluded from uh, federal income tax and in accordance also from Utah state tax, there still will be Social Security and Medicare taxes withheld. And so that might cause alarm for somebody because they might look at their W-2 and say, well, my box one income's low because of that combat pay exclusion. But 
I've got these other boxes, box three and five, which is my Medicare Social Security wages. Those are going to be much higher because those wages are still subject to Social Security and Medicare. The way I heard that is if my entire yearly income was $60,000, but 10000 of that was earned while I was in combat, I don't have to pay income taxes on that $10,000. That's correct. Right. But I do have to pay the Social Security and Medicaid on the full $60,000, whereas I only have to pay income tax on 50000 That's correct. What about uniforms or anything associated with a uniform that they may have to, for upkeep, dry cleaning, things like that? Do people in the military have to pay for their own uniforms and then they get reimbursed later? Or does the military provide everything they need? Does anybody know? Uh, I'll take that one. That, that's a great question, uh, Heather. We're not, I'm not sure exactly what cost the, the Armed First Forces uh, reimburse, but to the extent that they are not reimbursed and they're, that the military individual is, is out of pocket, as long as that individual, well, if you're in full-time, if you're on full-time active duty, you cannot deduct those uniform costs, those out-of-pocket out costs, unfortunately. However, if you are a, a reservist, those are deductible on your federal tax return. Those out-of-pocket costs, those unreimbursed amounts are deductible, and, then, and they are deductible on Form 20, 2106, but, but again, only if, they are, if you're an, a, a reservist and not a full-time military member. But then you'd still have to meet that $25,000 deductible limit before you would actually get reimbursed for those military expenses. Not necessarily, no. Um, the Form 20, 2106 is actually a deduction on your on page one income, not what I believe you're referring to as an itemized deduction. Yeah. These Form 2106 expenses do not uh, apply and they do not go, they're not an itemized deduction any longer. And so they actually get deducted on Form 2106. So in, in a case of a reservist, those are tax deductible on your tax return, regardless of whether you itemize your deductions or not. Now, Heather, I, we're not experts, and neither Brandon and I have served in the military. However, I do believe there are a significant amount of allowances that military have in the various branches, and uh, those allowances could include uniform allowances and such. And it would be important for us to note that most of those allowances are, are excludable from income, meaning that let's say that the military offers a $1,000 uniform allowance and they allow the service person to purchase uniforms or such with that allowance money. That allowance money is not included in their income, their taxable income. So it would not be reflected or included in their W-2. So there is, uh, it's a different way to, way to look at it that I, rather than getting a tax deduction for their out-of-pocket expenses, in many cases, they have allowances that are afforded them that are not included in income. I want to bring in the Utah State Tax Commission guests. So we've heard that military personnel would still need to pay federal taxes, Social Security. What about state income tax? I mean, do they get a break on that? And so within the state of Utah, it really depends on whether you are, first of all, a Utah resident. Uh, there's a few things that we look at there. Um, if when you join the military, you're a Utah resident, you can be stationed anywhere. You still typically retain your Utah residency in that case. When it comes to the taxability of the income, the starting point for the Utah return is the federal adjusted gross income. So any income that is included in that federal adjusted gross income would typically be taxed by the state of Utah. So in that case where you have compact pay or something that's not included in that line one of that W-2, 
if it's not going over to the federal return, it's also not going over to the state return. When it comes to active military income, if you are a Utah resident, it is taxed basically as any other type of income within the state. But if you are a non-resident to Utah that is stationed here, we do have some caveats out there for non-resident military members and also their spouses if they are here to be with their serving member spouse that is stationed within the state of Utah. So, you know, if somebody is stationed, say, at Hill Air Force Base and they're a Colorado resident, their military income is not taxable in Utah. And in many cases, unless they have other sources of Utah income, like maybe they have a second job or they have rental properties or something to that effect, they don't even need to file a Utah return with us. But if they if they do have, a say, a second job, those types of incomes are not excluded from Utah income tax. So they would have to file a return and, and pay taxes here. Uh, same with a military spouse, if they're non-resident. A non-resident military spouse or a spouse in general, they have the ability to either use their natural state of residency. Let's say if they this member was stationed at the Hill Air Force Base and they met their spouse in Utah, got married here. Let's say that other person was originally a Utah resident. That person can retain their Utah residency or they can elect to use the service member's state of residence if they're married. There are some issues that come along with that. With the state of Utah, if you're a non-resident military member, their military income is exempt. But if you're a non-resident military spouse, all of your income is exempt in the state of Utah. This sounds so much more complex than somebody who just has dual residency and is not in the military. <laughs> it's so true, Heather. It's it's a great time for us to pause and say that's when we'd recommend they consult their tax advisor. Residency issues alone for uh, military personnel is a, a, a big deal. And uh, Utah has some great guidance out there, but having some professional guidance is good. And this is a good place to take a break so we can collect our thoughts on that one. We'll be right back with Derek Nelson and Steve Carlo. They're both at the Utah State Tax Commission and Brandon Olson and Patrick Munson, who are with Adams and Peterson CPAs and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about money. If it affects your life, we're going to talk about it. And today we're talking about military and the taxes. And joining me today is Derek Nelson and Steve Carlo. They're both with the Utah State Tax Commission. We also have Patrick Munson and Brandon Olson with Adams and Peterson CPAs and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. So in our last segment, we talked about benefits that active military people have. But what if you're retired? You've spent at least your 20 years in the service, and now you're retired. How does that work on your taxes? I'm going to go to Brandon on this one. Sure. There's a couple of, there's a couple of facets, Heather, of, of uh, taxation uh, for retirement pay. Number one is the federal side. We talk about the federal side. Uh, that individual will receive will be issued a form 1099R from the military and will pay tax to IRS on that on that income. However, on the Utah side, there is a credit for uh, U.S. military retirement pay. Essentially, it's uh, it's a credit for any military retirement pay, pay that you receive for, for Utah residents. And so essentially, a Utah resident does not pay Utah tax on any military retirement pay that they receive during the year. 
Derek, you can confirm that. If I was in the military for over 20 years, I've retired, I live here, and I get my 1099R, you're not going to take any of that extra money? Right. Yeah, it's a credit uh, for all of your military retirement income. Uh, so that's a great benefit to all of our retired military members here in Utah. Um, I do want to point out that it's not all retirement for a military member. So it's not going to include things like Social Security income or uh, withdrawal from a 401k or an IRA distribution or other non-military federal retirement. It doesn't include those things. But yeah, all of your military retirements, you can take a credit for uh, to, re to, get, to eliminate those taxes. There might be well to clarify because those are bring up some great points. We're talking about the military pension, right? Um, and there are two different military retirement plans out there for the legacy plan and what's the new plan. And so uh, just identifying that it's the pension we're describing based on your term of service and such that, that um, qualifies for the credit of the state of Utah. Uh, military personnel also have the ability to contribute to what's called a TSP. It's called a, a thrift savings plan. And that's an elective contribution that they can make. And uh, it functions very similar to a 401k, which a lot of us uh, who aren't in the military are more familiar with. It's the U.S. government, the military is offering for something that fits within uh, similar parameters. And there's ability to contribute to a TSP, both pre-tax and post-tax, similar to doing a Roth 401k with versus a traditional 401k. And so uh, distributions from that TSP during retirement are going to have very similar treatments to the taxability as a normal um, retirement account might have. And, uh, you know, they would need to consult their tax advisor, their financial advisor to help them navigate that piece of it. But as far as the Utah credit, that, that credit's available for the pension portion of the military. I know the military has a great uh, human resources group that can help, uh, you know, military personnel navigate some of that. So we've talked about getting your pension and retirement if you're already retired, but I'm not retired. I'm I'm just joining up right now. How do I start saving ahead for my retirement? Who wants to tackle that one? <laughs> you might not get an answer from any of us because that one <laughs> might be something that's outside of all of our wheelhouses. You had mentioned, Patrick, you said that there are good HR people in the military. Once I join and I sign the paperwork, I want to go talk to these people? Absolutely. That's exactly where we would direct somebody is to get some advice and direction. You know, of course, there's uh, plenty of people in private practice as well, financial advisors and such, uh, that uh, could also be a great resource for them. But I know that the military has a, a fantastic human resources uh, group that help uh, military personnel navigate uh, these questions and these things because it's true we all we all ought to have an eye on the future and make sure um, that we're we're taking care of our current needs but also our future needs. Susan, do you know if there's a different type of retirement that I would contribute, or does the military have it actually called a four hundred one k, or do they have a different type of retirement fund that I contribute to? If you're in the reserves or if you're in active duty, you know, I would I would uh, advise that you meet with your HR on base or, you know, work through your commanding officers to see who best to contact to get all that figured out. 
If you're in the reserves, typically people have other jobs that are civilian. Does anybody know if there's a way to combine the retirement fund from my civilian job along with the retirement fund from the military? I believe while you're contributing to those accounts, um, that that would not be possible. And in fact, there may be even question about your ability to participate in both. Uh, because there are limitations uh, when and how you can contribute to various retirement plans. So uh, those ones are probably a case-by-case analysis to try to determine uh, what what you're eligible for. Um, Normally, that consolidation process uh, happens when you're no longer contributing or participating, eligible to participate in the plan. Uh, It's similar even with the 401k. Uh, You can't move 401k funds, for instance, over to an IRA while you're uh, currently employed and an eligible participant to contribute to the plan. Those are things that are usually done once you're discontinued service. And I believe those same rules apply even with the TSP. Okay. Steve or Derek, do you have anything to add? Sounds like this might be more on a little bit of a federal level, but is there anything that the Utah State Tax Commission does with retirement funds? Not directly that I'm familiar with, with the state of Utah. Um, Like we mentioned, if it is pension income from the military, it's exempted out. Uh, We do have a couple of other credits that are kind of involved when we talk about retirement. There's one where you may qualify uh, for a social security tax credit, but that is a credit that is income limited. So if you have income over a certain amount, it starts reducing that. Uh, we, We do have another credit out there. It's a retirement tax credit where if you were born prior to January 1st, 1953, you may qualify for a credit for $450 per person on the return, but that is also limited based off of your total income. One of the caveats out there though that uh, Susan may have mentioned earlier was you cannot claim the Social Security or the military retirement credit on the same tax return as the retirement credit. Um, So, you know, when we're looking at these different credits out there, you kind of have to go through and determine which one best benefits you Um, to be able to claim those because, you know, we won't automatically give you a specific credit. You have to claim it on the return, but you cannot claim the, or the military retirement along with the retirement, but you can claim the military retirement credit and the social security credit together. So Steve, I have served my country. I get both. Come on. Potentially, right. <laughs> but not the retirement credit itself. So Steve, that's you... one thing to note with the Utah return is you, you may qualify for that Social Security and that military retirement, but potentially if you have both types of income, your income may be high enough that it's going to phase out that Social Security credit. You know, Steve, that's a perfect tee up for me to repeat a comment I made earlier, and this is, this is why we as CPAs do what we do. Things are not easy. Uh, And the Utah Utah State Tax Commission, as fabulous of an organization as as they are, their job is not to advise taxpayers about how to take advantage of or utilize the tax law that exists. It's why I believe in our profession, frankly, is that uh, I think we can do a lot of good to help people navigate some really challenging and technical things. And to also stay away from that that cliff edge where you're you're doing things you shouldn't be, and then you get to hear from the tax commission on all the errors or problems you create on your tax return. Do you know how different other states are with military tax returns. We're here in Utah and we're talking about Utah state tax returns, but is it pretty much the same across the board, across the United States or are other states completely different in how they deal with military personnel tax returns? They're going to vary state by state for sure. 
And uh, when one of the things we know about military families is they get moved a lot, right? And, you know, you could find yourself in uh, lots of places. Uh, Utah has their residency uh, standards, and I, those residency standards may be fairly common amongst many states in the country where that military has a home state, and, and that's really where the focus becomes. And so in that case, if a state kind of honors a similar or a mentality that um, uh, active duty military that's being deployed and serving and moving bases and such, they've got a home state, that's where income's taxed, that keeps things relatively simple. But, you know, every state's going to be a little different. And so, you know, having an advisor that's familiar with the particular locations they may be in is important. That is one very common question that we get. Um, if, if we have somebody that's a Utah service member, you know, when they enlisted, they were a Utah resident. And let's say they are stationed in California. There's federal law out there that states that you are taxed based off of your home state of residence on your military income. But let's say that if they have a second job there or if they purchase a home and then they start renting it out, they have rental income in those other states. There is a potential there that they are going to have to file returns and pay taxes to those other states, depending on that state's requirements. And occasionally we do get questions from folks, you know, if they enlisted as a Utah resident and let's say they, in their career, they could be stationed in 10 different states or more potentially, they don't typically lose that residency within the state of Utah. A lot of times people confuse the terms home of record versus the state of legal residence. Home of record is when you enlist in the military, that's not going to change regardless of where you actually go. You do have the ability to change that after, let's say, if you re-enlist, you can change it potentially to another location. But the home of record is basically going to pay for you to go back to that place when you're no longer in service, which a state of legal residence terminology, that can be changed during their military service. But they do have to meet certain requirements within those other states. So I was going to do this the flip. What if I was in California when I enlisted? So my state of record is California, but I get stationed at Hill Air Force Base and I'm going, hey, taxes here are a little bit less. Can I just change where, who I would send my taxes into statewide? You could potentially if you meet requirements within Utah. So we have set requirements out there that determine this makes you a Utah resident. If you potentially purchase a home here, that could be one item, which even if you're a non-resident, you could still purchase a home here. If you register to vote, if you license your vehicles, if you get driver's license, basically you are abandoning your domicile is what they call it in California, and you're intending to remain as a Utah resident going forward. The military, they do have a form that they can fill out to request that change through their, you know, through their HR. It's a DD-2058 form. Um, basically, it's stating that you've done your homework, you know what the requirements are within that state to change your residency um, potentially. But one big thing on that is you have to actually typically be within that state. You can't be a California resident and be stationed in Utah and say, oh, I want to change my state of residence to a state that doesn't have state income tax like Texas or Nevada. You're not able to do that. Um, but there is the potential to change it to where as you go forward for tax purposes, you could be taxed in the other state as your state of legal residence. 
All right, this is a great place to take one more break. So we'll be right back with Patrick Munson and Brandon Olson. They are CPAs and partners at Adams and Peterson CPAs. We also have Derek Nelson, who is a tax examiner manager, and Steve Carlo, outreach training coordinator, and they're both with Utah State Tax Commission, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way, money-wise. We're talking about it, and today we're talking about the military and taxes, and joining me is a whole slew of people. So stand by. We have got Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs, Patrick Munson, and Brandon Olson. They are both partners and CPAs at Adams and Peterson CPAs. We also have Derek Nelson, who is a tax examiner manager, and Steve Carlo, the outreach training coordinator. They're both with the Utah State Tax Commission. And hopefully between all of us, we're going to cover some of the more frequently asked questions. And right now we want to move on to, it's a tough subject to talk about. Unfortunately, if you are in the military or you have loved ones in the military and they are on active duty, there's a chance that they may not return. So let's move into military survivor benefits. And I understand there is a credit that survivors of military personnel get, but is it only on the federal level? Is it also on a state level? How does that work? So I'll go ahead and answer it for the, the state side. Uh, through, through the state of Utah, we do have what they call a military survivor be- uh, death or military survivor benefit credit that is available um, if a surviving spouse or a dependent receives any type of survivor benefits from the government, from the Department of Defense on this type of income, they are able to claim a credit on the Utah individual income tax return. It's a non-refundable credit, but it's going to be a full credit of that tax rate based off of that type of income. So it effectively makes the credit be the same as the tax, so there is no tax on it. So basically, if I received a $30,000 survivor benefit, I would get taxed, but then the tax commission goes, oh, nope, you get $30,000 credit. So it, That's they... correct. It's taxable income, but there's a, a credit that is used to offset that. Okay. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention on that, though, is it cannot be based off of military retirement income, the survivor benefit. And if it's a retirement benefit, that's going to be taken out under the military retirement tax credit, which if that is something that's paid to a surviving spouse or a dependent, something to that effect, they can still claim that credit as long as that person is getting that 1099 directly from the the military. Uh, So that earlier credit that we talked about, the, the military retirement, it's not only for the benefit of that individual, but it can be people that are receiving the benefits on their behalf. Is this true in every state across the country that every state will give a credit that offsets the survivor death benefit? That's something we're not able to answer. Each state out there could have its own tax liabilities. But we we have to remember that on this income right here, this is going to be income that's included in the federal adjusted gross income for these credits. Um, And so if there's something on the federal side where it's already reducing out of of that federal adjusted gross income or it's not included in the income at all, that's not going to transfer over to the Utah return. Yeah, Heather, on the federal side, the only thing I think we're uh, aware of is uh, related, but but not related. If you've got the death of an active duty member uh, that dies in combat or dies from injuries sustained in combat, 
that there is ability for the surviving family to request tax debt relief for that individual. So if, you know, let's say that uh, they've got uh, income during the year and uh, they die during active duty, they can request tax debt forgiveness on behalf of that individual for the tax debt outstanding or claim a refund for taxes withheld if that were the case. We could talk a little bit about disability compensation, which is a fairly common thing. Military members suffer injuries and, and all sorts of things and can apply for disability benefits through the Veterans Affairs. And it is important to mention that payments from Veterans Affairs that are deemed disability compensation are tax exempt. And that's something we see a lot as folks come in and and, and uh, regularly are reminded by those who are receiving disability compensation from the VA to make sure, hey, this isn't included in my income. I want to make sure it's not being taxed. And the good news is, is that uh, most, most things that get picked up in taxable income are a result of a form that's issued by the payer of benefits. In this case, the VA knows that they don't issue a 1099 uh, for uh, disability benefits. And so that's a that's an easy thing to make sure, well, if I'm not getting the 1099, that's a good trigger to make sure that the IRS and even the tax commission aren't looking for me to pick that up in income. But uh, good to know that those disability benefits are excluded. Brandon or Susan, one of you might be able to answer this. If I have disability income coming in, chances are I may need additional medical help for whatever injuries I've sustained. So are my medical bills completely covered under the military if I was injured while on active duty or even if I tripped and fell, you know, on base, how are my medical bills treated? So a couple things to think about if it's related to the military and my understanding and having kind of lived this life a little bit is the military picks up the tab for military related accidents. But if I'm living in military housing and let's say I truck over my rug, in the living room or whatever, the military is not going to pick up that expense. But if it's a military combat injury or if it's related to active duty, to your job, your active duty, the military is going to pick up that tab. Let's say it was one of those silly things. I just tripped and fell or I climbed a tree, broke my leg. I have insurance. I guess the military provides insurance. Can I write that off on my taxes? Yeah, so any unreimbursed uh, medical expense or any, any out-of-pocket medical expenses may be deductible on, on your personal tax return. However, it is subject to significant limitations. One, you have to itemize your deductions, and number two, you have to meet a, meet an income threshold to deduct those. But yes, Heather, you can deduct those. They are tax-deductible. However, we those medical expenses generally have to exceed a fairly significant dollar amount maybe even thousands of dollars worth of medical expenses before they come be before you get a tax benefit from deducting those out of pocket medical costs. Derek, I want to ask you for the as the Utah State Tax Commission, if I am, let's say I meet the thresholds on the federal form and I can write off my medical expenses, can I do that on Utah State taxes as well? So that's part of the itemized deductions. So uh, whatever you're claiming on the federal return, that will just flow over to the state return. So you'll get that same benefit on the state return. What else would you guys like to talk about in terms of being in the military or retired and how that affects our taxes? And again, I know the biggest thing to tell everybody is you need to go talk to a CPA because even if you think that you are just a private 
there's a lot of stuff going on. There absolutely is, Heather. I don't know that I have anything else to add other than to confirm what you just said. I, I would agree. Things can be certainly complicated on there. Uh, one thing that I would maybe like to mention is earlier we talked about the residency issues where, let's say, if you have a non-resident military spouse or a military spouse in general, they can elect to have the same residency as their military member. They also can elect not to. And so we do see certain situations out there where you may have somebody that, let's say the military member is stationed at Hill Air Force Base or a resident of another state, their spouse, they married them in Utah. And let's say their spouse was a Utah resident prior to them being married. That person does not necessarily have to elect to take that military member's state of residence. Typically, when people file their their Utah income tax returns, their filing status has to match what they're claiming on their federal return. Uh, so on the federal return, they're going to be now filing married filing joint, but Utah does have an exclusion out there. If one person is a Utah resident and the other person is not a Utah resident, where we do allow them to file under what they call special instructions, where they can potentially file a Utah return as married filing separate, that Utah resident would file here. And if that non-resident military person didn't have any other income, they would not file. Uh, but what that does is you file married separate, but then it allows you to apportion your income based off of the, the total percentage of your, you know, your federal income that that Utah resident actually earned throughout that year. So if I'm married to um, somebody in the military, we could file federally as married jointly. But then if we have separate states of residence for that state, we would need to file married filing separately. That's correct. You have the ability to do that. You can still file married filing joint and you could potentially file as a non-resident. You know, one person is a non-resident and there's a schedule that you can file on the Utah return to back out that other military person's income. And in, in our instruction booklet, we do have um, a, a calculation chart in there that kind of goes through and has you determine how to come up with those percentages. That's over my pay grade. Okay. <laughs> totally. All right. Uh, anybody else? Susan, Derek, anything to add or or just contribute any concerns that you have that you want to make sure that people are thinking about? First of all, we have to say thank you. I mean, to those that are serving our country, we're very lucky. And here in Utah, we have Hill Air Force Bases spanning two counties. We have the Dugway Proving Ground. I mean, we have a lot of military service here in the state of Utah. And things do get complicated. And for those listening, even outside the state of Utah, know that you can go to your your CPAs, your tax preparers to sort out all of this. I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff that it is complex, but there is help out there. We understand it. And we want to make sure that you get to those people that can help you sort it out. And sometimes those resources might might be in a in a voluntary program, and I'll I'll mention it here that there, there's a voluntary income tax. I don't know what the A stands for, but it's called VITA. So if uh, if income limits prohibit you from seeking professional advice, uh, there are other resources out there too that you can get some help to navigate some of these challenging tax circumstances. Um, because we want to make sure you have the help uh, because it is difficult and challenging. You said though it's the website. Is it like Vida dot com or? I don't know what the website is, but it's an organization that uh, it's called Vida Voluntary Income Tax Assistance. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's volunteers that help uh, can help you navigate some of the tax filings and even and deal with some of these issues. 
thank you so much. I know this is just brushed the surface on a lot of these issues, but at least it will help people start thinking about it and understand that a, as Patrick said, you there is help available for you. You can just start with the HR in your military branch. So thank you so much, Derek Nelson, Tax Examiner Manager, and Steve Carlo, Outreach Training Coordinator, both with the Utah State Tax Commission. We also have Patrick Munson, who's a partner, and Brandon Olson, also a partner in CPA at Adams and Peterson CPAs, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA, Again, UACPA is a sponsor of Money Making Sense. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.